Good morning. You guys doing all right? Glad to see you survived, you know, Thursday's events and Friday's experiences. It's good to be in God's house this morning. My name is Jason Bollinger. I uh, get to handle our international missions uh, here. So I want to start with a shameless plug, right? Because you should go on a mission trip with us. And we just happened to be going over Martin Luther King weekend. So we've got a holiday weekend and um, we're going to go and serve our friends at the Shalom Children's Home um, in El Salvador. So we on, on purpose try to plan trips around holidays so it limits the amount of time that you have to take off from work and or school, skipping school in Jesus' name, always a good thing. And um, so we also, this trip is probably one of the least expensive mission trips that you'll ever be able to go on as well. And so if you're looking, just feel the tug of God into the nations. You don't have to speak Spanish. Uh, you don't have to have any special skills. You can just go. We're going to be building a greenhouse. So it'd be great if somebody could go who knows how how to build a greenhouse. Otherwise, it's up to me, and I'll have to YouTube that, and it'll be fantastic, but not as good as if somebody else could build it, and they want to do some gardening. We'll be working with children there at the home. We'll be participating in their Sunday services, some community outreach. They also run a medical center, um, so if we have any healthcare workers that would want to go and just come alongside what they're doing there, it's a great opportunity. You don't have to have, it's going to be a great entry point for you if you feel God's leading you into the nations. I'd love to talk to you more about it. All the information's on our website at crossbridge.com cc slash el salvador and on our facebook page there's a great uh, testimony video that was posted last week i think uh, about the people that went last time and it'll change your life in all the right ways and i'd love to take you so i hope that you consider going to ask for el salvador for christmas it'll be fantastic i mean it's kind of expensive for christmas so maybe like the next three christmases or something but still worth it but uh if you want to go I'd love to talk to you about uh, the possibility of you joining us there. Well, I was watching, like I saw videos, you know, people getting trampled to death. So that not to death. I don't think anybody died this year. I didn't hear about that, but it's like trampled to save 40 bucks on a hoodie or something like that, or get the latest and greatest or things like that. It's just out of control how badly we want new stuff or to save 40 bucks. Like if, man, if that's you and you're going to risk your life, like just let us know. We'd love to take up an offering and give you the 40 bucks next year so you can preserve your life. We love you and care about you. We want to be there for you. But man, it just got me thinking about like just this need that we have in our society for the upgrade, right? Like nothing's ever good enough. Like because something new comes out and it's like, I never knew I needed that. Now I need it. Like not just want it, but need it. But it's like, that's not always the case. But sometimes now it's like, if you hold on to your technology long enough, it stops working because the updates don't support, you know, your phone can't handle the updates anymore and it just doesn't work. And then come to the place where to get anything done, you, you have to have an upgrade. And just kind of recently I was just thinking, I found myself struggling actually um, in some, just some spiritual things. Like things weren't clicking like they have clicked before. And there were some th opportunities that I just wished were happening a little different. And I was just like, I needed to upgrade uh, my spiritual life. I needed to do a little sync up, needed to, to dive into some things that I could improve on. And, and so this morning, I just kind of want to talk about those things because I think that um, a lot of us probably struggle with this, especially as it relates to our prayer life and how we, we approach God. And um, we're coming off a great time of Thanksgiving. We're, we're getting into the stress and the chaos of the holidays and of Christmas, and that's a great time for a lot of people, a lot of celebrations and traditions. It's also a really hard time for a lot of people, especially if you've experienced loss, and, and it just kind of presents its own unique challenges. And we go in and we think, man, I've had a great year, accomplished all my goals, or we go like, man, I, I'm not where I wanted to be. Can January get here so I can reset and make all these resolutions? And so, I mean, it's just like, I don't know, there just seems like there's a lot of opportunity for struggle along with all the joy and celebration. 
salvation. And I think it's just a good time for us to look at the vitality of our spiritual life. And is there an opportunity for us to make some investments there in order to get a better return for what we say we believe in? And I want us to use uh, Philippians 4 as our text this morning. Last summer, we, we studied the whole book of Philippians, and that's all online in our Everyday Joy series that was there. But this morning, I want to just dive into a, a couple verses in Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bible and want to look up, you can't look there, you can, or it'll be on the screens. You can follow along. We're going to be in Philippians 4, um, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I want us to look at that same passage in a, in a version of the, the Bible called the message and the messages and interpretations, a, kind of a narrative form of the truths of scripture. And I just want us to look at that too, just to kind of give even some more perspective. It says this, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. And as I was looking at that, you know, it's a good Thanksgiving passage, give thanks. But then I noticed that like it focuses on some other things other than Thanksgiving. And the, what I want to notice is that if you take these two passages or this, these two versions of the same passage, there's some significant blessings that it talks about that can be realities in our life, like joy and celebration, peace, not just peace, but peace that surpasses all understanding. It talks about protection of your heart and your mind. It talks about a sense of God's wholeness. It talks about everything coming together for good in such a way that it just settles you down. And it talks about worry being displaced by being centered on Christ. And I was just noticing the benefits and the blessings of living an obedient life. I was just kind of thinking like, man, why aren't these more present on a daily basis? Why do I have glimpses of those, but they're not more a daily reality or an hourly reality? And I just, for me personally, it's like, I just, man, I think there's a way that we can experience more of what God promises if we rearrange our life according to what he teaches, because it says that these blessings, it tells us how to get these blessings and the blessings come through what it describes as prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And I think a lot of times we just think prayer generally, and we, we throw a lot of different things under the category of prayer. And I guess it all is all pray, but prayer, but there's different ways that we can pray. Prayer in general just means communication with God. Prayer is an evidence of a relationship with God. Prayer is not just something that we should do because we're supposed to do it, or somebody told us that we should, or, or something goes wrong, and we, all of a sudden we pray. pray. Praying is just communication 
communication with God. And, and like any relationship, any relationship that doesn't involve communication is a really bad relationship. It's not going to last. It's going to be susceptible to trendiness. It's just not going to be permanent. And our relationship with God is something that we're invited into to interact with him, both talking and listening and being with him. It's evidence of a relationship with him. And, and if prayer isn't a, doesn't have that element to it, then it's just us asking for things, which is supplication, making your needs known and making requests of God. And I think a lot of our prayer energy, if we're being honest, is spent here in the asking God for things. God needs you to come through. God, I need this. God, this is difficult. God, I need, you know, it's all focused. A lot of it's focused on what we need if we're, we're looking at, at how we pray. And, and we do need to pray to God for what we need. That's not wrong. But if that's where we're spending a bulk of our prayer energy, we're being very limited in how we experience prayer in our life. Another way that we pray is by giving thanksgiving, which we're cheating, right? Because we just had a whole day for this. So we're all feeling pretty good about our gratitude at the moment. Um, Thanksgiving, gratitude for benefits and blessings, thankfulness. But I found this week that that word Thanksgiving was reminded comes from the word Eucharist. And if you grew up in a Catholic church or a more liturgical setting, they, the, instead of calling it communion or the Lord's Supper like we do, they call it the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is the focal point of their worship experience. And so the very idea of coming to worship is built around the idea of thankfulness to God. And so Thanksgiving is incredibly significant. It fuels our worship. It helps us to approach God with a proper perspective. But, but these are different ways that we can experience prayer. And, and it's by interacting with these things and interacting with God through these things that we experience the blessings that we looked at just a minute ago. And like I said, I was like, you know, I was doing spiritual things. I'm reading my Bible. I'm studying. I'm getting things ready. But I just, it wasn't connecting with me. And then I realized, kind of did my own evaluation. And it's like, you know, I'm spending a lot of time I'm making supplications like in the car and in between meetings or when I get a moment and things like that. And then um, I just felt like I needed to kind of dive deeper and evaluate just some things in my own spiritual vitality. And so I came, I looked on my bookshelf and there was a book I hadn't read in, in 20 years, just how old I am. And, um, and so I pulled out this book. It's called Devotional Classics. And I just want to put it up there because maybe you're at a place where, you know, you got the same devotionals you've had for a while. And it's like the app, the Bible app's great. And there's a lot of different ways. But I like this one a lot because it is kind of a, it, it goes back through Christian history. And there's people from ancient times that have been faithful. And you get to read their story and how they walked faithfully with God. And you're challenged by it. And there's some from from recent modern history as well. And I just, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like the challenges that I'm facing like are unique to me. But the truth is that nothing that anybody's facing is unique. Whatever you're facing, you're not the only one. Whatever your struggle is, somebody before you has already experienced that and come out the other side. And I'm not making light of any of the struggles or challenges that we face in our life because we all have them. And, and some of them are incredibly significant and challenging and trying and, and get the best of us, you know, on any given day. But what I want us to be reminded of is that we're not alone in that. It's not unique to us. And sometimes it's good to dive into history to see who else has gone through similar things and be encouraged by the Bible says the people that have gone before the saints that have gone before us and, and live faithfully. Like they, we can be discipled by their experiences. We can learn by what they left us. And this book is just a great opportunity to have some of that. And so a lot of what I was challenged by 
in and diving back into that is what I'm going to bring to the party this morning. And I want to look at a couple of quotes to start off with. We're going to look at one by a pastor named George Buttrick, and he pastored the same church in New York City for 52 years. That's an incredible run. Um, He died in the 80s. But he wrote a book on, he literally wrote the book on prayer, right? And it was like, you can't find it. You can go on Amazon and it costs like a hundred bucks. So I didn't order it, but I was, I did find a $13 copy on eBay. So we'll see what happens when it gets here. But I just, just the excerpt that the devotional classics had, just made me want to dive in. This guy's got a lot to say about this. I think I can be challenged by this. I think I can grow in this. And so just, you know, I'm just kind of talking out of an overflow of that. But he said this, prayer is friendship with God and friendship is not formal, but it is not formal. He said a lot of other things, but this one really grabbed me because I think sometimes in our prayer life, it's just real loose, right? It's real spontaneous and, and we just pray kind of what we think about and what's on our heart, which is not wrong, but it's just not all that there is. Because if prayer is an evidence of our relationship with God, then there should also be a little bit more than just blowing in the wind and praying when we feel like it. Because just like with any relationship, even um, if it's not formal, like it has to have some form. It has to have some boundaries. It has to have some guides. Like it makes every relationship better and stronger. And we should be engaging our prayer life with some intentionality, not just filling in the gaps, right? So I was challenged by that. Then I found this other one by a lady named Evelyn Underhill and and she is, uh, was a leader in the Anglican church. And in the last quarter of her life, she got really popular for leading spiritual retreats over like weekend settings. And people would come and their lives would be completely reoriented around the gospel of Jesus. And so she would just be asked to lead these retreats over and over again. When we talk about communication with God and prayer, like we're also talking about meditation. And I like what she had to say about it. She says, meditation is simply the art of thinking steadily and methodically about spiritual things. And so the the thing that just grabbed me about this is that prayer is a spiritual activity, but it's made more effective when we also engage our intellect in our spiritual activity. It's this beautiful intersection of mental intentionality and form, but then it unlocks spiritual realities that we can't explain and that take us to places that we, we couldn't ever go on our own. And I just thought these two things were like really good framework for going forward and diving into what prayer could look like. Like if we were going to make a prayer upgrade, if we could invest some energies in making our prayer life more productive and and more beneficial, what would that look like? And so I I dove in and and found some things I'd like for us to talk about for the rest rest of our lives. And I found that my prayer life needed an upgrade. I think if we're honest, all of our prayer lives could use an upgrade of some sort or another. Even in the best of times, there's always a new, fresh experience. And so I hope that we're encouraged by some opportunities that we have to, to invest some intentionality and form into our our prayer life. So the first one I want us to see is that our prayer life should be an activation of our faith, an activation of our faith. And this is what I think that, you know, Christian people would never you know, say that they're not praying to God, that they're not praying through the power of Jesus and the spirit and approaching God. We, we know that and we believe that, but I think sometimes we're kind of lazy with it and we skip past the strength and the power that comes with realizing that prayer is an act of faith. If we don't see prayer through the door of faith, then our prayers are just conversations and we may as well be having them with anybody. And it's not just a conversation with anybody, it's a prayer to somebody and that somebody 
happens to be the author and the perfecter of our faith that Hebrew says. And Acts says it's in him we live and move and have our being. Like we need to be fully aware that we're not just praying because we need something or praying because we're supposed to or, or a leader told us that, but we're praying to somebody who answers prayer. We're not just listing off a list to like a, a cosmic almighty Santa Claus. It's not loose in the man upstairs and it's not just, you know, an, a disengaged being. It's, we're talking about Jesus. We're praying to, prayer is an act of faith. And so our prayers, if we're not realizing who we're praying to and the power that comes with putting our energy, focusing on Jesus, then we're kind of spinning our wheels in how our prayers go. I want us to look at Matthew 21 and it's gonna be on the screen. It just says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. We can't skip over the faith. Like this is a leap of faith. It's a trusting in something that we cannot see. It's not just something that we're supposed to do. Hebrews 4 says this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're coming literally to the throne of God, to the throne of Jesus. Is invi- he's inviting us to come get the help that we need, to come get the grace that we need, to step outside of what we can understand and what we can comprehend and what we can fix on our own. It's an invitation to step out in faith and to trust God in our communication with him and to grow in our relationship with him as we activate our faith and believing in something greater than ourselves. So our prayer life may need an upgrade here. We may need to quit skipping over this step and realize that what a gift it is to be invited to bring our requests to God. What an amazing invitation. We get to humble ourselves and come in awe and wonder to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the author and perfecter of our faith who laid down his life so that we could experience this reality of being in relationship with him. It came at an incredibly high cost. And the opportunity we have is to remember that it came at a high cost. And it's a privilege that we get to spend time in prayer with Jesus. The next thing I want us to look at is that it's a, we can prepare our hearts and minds. So this is a bit of the form idea, that preparation of your heart and mind. So it's an activation of your faith, and, and these aren't necessarily sequential. Maybe the preparation needs to come first, and then you walk into the activation of your faith. That's not really important. It's just these first two can be interchanged in whatever order makes sense to you. But preparation of your heart and mind. And what I think that we need to learn from this is that in order for us to see changes in our prayer life, we have to make a plan. We have to make a plan. We're no stranger to plans. We make plans for every single thing that we do, but I think that we struggle with making plans for our own spiritual vitality. Like it's easy for us to know when to go to take the kids to school, when I got to be at work, when I've got this meeting, when we like we're logistical machines for every other experience in our life, but sometimes we just wing it when it comes to prayer. And the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God. So why don't we give the same intentionality to creating space for our prayer lives as we do to every other thing? Why wouldn't we give more? Like prayer is not just something that we should fill in the gaps with. We should fill in the gaps around prayer. Prayer should come first. Engaging our relationship with God should be the most important thing that we do. It's like Holly and I, you know, we like to spend time together. We like to have date night. We like to make time for each other. And when we go through seasons where it's like, hey, we need to go out soon, it's like soon never comes. 
Like it just gets pushed and gets pushed and gets bumped and too tired and, and then we got this and man, we're gonna be gone. But when we put it on the calendar, guess what? It happens. Every single time it happens. And then there's more that can go from there because we don't always do this, but from time to time, you know, we'll kind of take turns planning an experience, planning a, we, oh, look, this is coming to town. We buy tickets way in advance for something that we like to do that we can afford. And, and then we plan events around that or a day around that or an evening around that. And it's those times that have a lot more weight. It's those times that show the evidence of the strength of our relationship and the, the things that we remember. And they're the markers that we look back on. And it makes the spontaneous, sometimes we don't. But it, because those things exist, it makes room for spontaneous things to also have meaning. But the form, like if we didn't give time for that, then we would be saying that our relationship isn't as important as every other thing that we do. And the reality is, in our prayer life, I think that's a big challenge for us. If we're not intentionally planning time with the Father, it's going to get eaten up by a lot of other things that are honestly less important than that. Mark 1, we see Jesus setting an example for us. It says, rising very early in the morning. I know you guys are the 1130. So I know that like that, this is probably not easy for this group, but rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. When you read the accounts of Jesus's life, you see intentionality. You see purpose. You see plan. He would teach and he would preach. Then he would spend time with people and he would heal people. And then he was training up the disciples so that they would be prepared to go and change the world by birthing the church. I mean, you read it. It's like, how did he do all of these things in such a short period of time? But even Jesus, who had these things just planned and lived incredibly productive life for the kingdom, like even he recognized that he needed to carve time. He needed to set out time so that he wasn't engaged with other people so that he could get alone with God. And for him, he went out in the morning while it was still dark. I find that's an incredible opportunity in my house. There's very few times where there is quiet in my house. I got three teenagers, right? It's never quiet. But at five o'clock in the morning, it's quiet. Nobody asked me to do anything. Nobody is distracting me. It is an amazing opportunity. And when you make that time, whenever it is, it pays off. Because when you set aside that time and walk in it, then you experience the power of what can happen when you're devoting time solely to growing in your relationship with God. It doesn't have to be early. I don't know when your time is. I don't know where you can block out time, but I would just say we benefit from preparation. We benefit from blocking out time. And I would say that God is worthy of us making a plan, at least setting a date, setting a time. You can, you can use your upgraded phone to ask Siri to tell you it's time to get up and pray or to stop and pray or, um, you know, take a lunch break and pray. Like there's opportunities just that's between you and the Lord, what works for you. But I'm just saying, we see an example and our prayer life would really benefit from that preparation, but we don't need to make a, make a space for it on our calendar. We also need to prepare, focus our hearts and minds uh, as a part of preparation. And I just want to use Psalm 46 as an example of how this can work. Cause I think we're just, we need some space to be reminded of what this can look like in our own hearts and lives. So we can prepare our hearts in this way. We can just take like this one verse of scripture and we can read it. It's broken down. Be still and know that I am God. 
I was going to see how long until it starts to be uncomfortable. We do not do stillness well. There's nothing about our world that says slow down, hit the brakes, pause, and be still. But scripture says, be still. And in that stillness, just let your faith be activated. Let what you believe come to the surface. Let your heart and mind be filled with Christ. Just be still. How badly do you need some stillness in your life? Be still and know that he's God. And then we can move to the next thing. Part of knowing that he is God is remembering he will be exalted among the nations and he will be exalted in the earth. We don't worship an American God. We worship an international God, the God of the universe, the God of everything, the God that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess and every tribe and every tongue will experience that reality. He's big. He's a big God. He's not a puny God. Anybody else think about the Hulk and Loki? Well, anyway, just me. Okay. God's not puny. He's big. He's vast. Huge. And then we find more. He's with us. See, we don't pray so that God will show up. God already showed up. He was already there before you, after you, around you. We're about to jump into the Advent season. Next weekend starts the the countdown to Christmas and Advent. You know what Advent means? It just means coming. We celebrate the coming of Christ. In the Gospel of John, it describes the birth of Jesus as the coming of God to dwell among us. Emmanuel, God is with us. When we pray, we're not praying in hopes that God will show up and answer our prayer. The better way to do that is to remember that God already came. God is already here dwelling among us. Wherever you go, he's already there. He beat you there. And when you pray, you're just joining where he already is. And so when we're being still and recognizing that he is the God of the nations and we remember that God is with us, we need to remember when we pray that God's already there. We should pray like he's right next to us because he is. He is with us all the time. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. We're not praying to the cosmic being in the sky. We're praying to the son of God who moved mountains, moved heaven and earth to come and dwell and be with us so that we could learn to be with him in a relationship and pray with him like he's our friend because he is and to break down those barriers and to walk together in a perfect relationship. The Lord of hosts is with us. So pray like he is. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This tells us two things. God's been doing this for a long time. Jacob's been dead a long, long time. God was God to him. God is God to us. He's never stopped being God. This is what he does. The God of Jacob, for all of history, is our fortress. In other parts of scripture, it says, the Lord your God will fight for you. You only need what? 
be still. It's not your fight. It's God's fight. He is the warrior. He is the fortress. He is the strong one. We are dependent upon him. This prepares our hearts and our minds for engaging God properly. It activates our faith when we look at things like this, when we remember who we're praying to. And then this last part, Selah. The Psalms are peppered with this little word that nobody knows what it means. There's no good translation for it. But what it seems to be is just like, don't rush past this. So all throughout the Psalms, you'll see this. It's like, hey, because what, what, what would we do? Would, this is one verse. We would be like, on to verse 11. And the Bible's going, hold on just a second. Don't rush through that. Let that soak in. And I just think for us in our prayer life, we need a lot more sail in our life. Don't be so in a hurry to rush to the next thing. Hold off. Just be there for a minute. Soak in it. Listen to it. Let it activate your faith. Let it raise your heart and mind. Let it focus you on the reality of your God who sent his son enough to die on the cross because of his love for you. And let's pray as if all of that is true because it absolutely is. So we have the activation of our faith. We have the preparation of our heart and our mind. And then once we go through that, you know what gets really easy? Appreciation. Appreciation of God's provision. Thanksgiving. Focusing on those things brings to mind the depths of God's mercy and provision. The Psalms are just rich in examples of things to give thanks for and ways to give thanks. Give thanks. That's why we sing. Give thanks with music and with harps and lyres. Give thanks with shouts. Give thanks with words. Give thanks with honoring other people. Give thanks in all of these different ways and and give thanks for his provision, for his gifts and his blessings and for our families and our friends and for our spiritual leaders. Like we have all of these things that the Bible gives us a model for giving thanks thanks for. First Thessalonians says to give thanks in all circumstances. So we also have to thank God, not just for good times, but hard times. One of the privileges that we have is at the end of our service is being available to pray for other people. And no matter what, when I'm down here and, and I get to receive people, the first thing, it doesn't matter what you came for. It doesn't matter what your need is. The very first thing I lead us in every time, God, we thank you for this. If it's cancer, if it's pain, if it's a broken relationship, God, thank you for this. Why? Because we trust that God is big enough to work something good that settles us down in any and every circumstance. Whatever it is, don't just give thanks in the good times. That's an incomplete gospel. Give thanks in all circumstances. God, I thank you for the biggest challenge that I have in my life. Thank you that I can't get through this on my own. Thank you that I don't have the answers. Thank you that I need you. Thank you that you're big enough to get me through this, that you are the God of every nation, that you are my fortress and you're fighting for me and I trust you. Give thanks in all circumstances, give appreciation for what you have. Give thanks in all circumstances. I found this. It's not um, near as spiritual as I wish that it was, but, you know, it's good. It says this. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Amen. Happiness doesn't come first. You want to you change your entire perspective? Enter into an attitude of gratitude. It'll change the way you live life. It'll change the way you see other people. It'll change the way you worship God. 
It's a necessary and vital element of how we come to God in prayer. Be specific, name named, recognize God's generosity towards you. It's there. And remember that Thanksgiving is related to Eucharist. So it enhances our worship. It centers our worship on who God is and what he's done. And here's the reality. If God never gives one more thing, he's already given enough. He's given everything that we need and we get to go back and recognize the provision and give thanks for those things. So we give appreciation of God's provision. The next thing is we come to a place of confession because when we approach the throne of grace with confidence, when we focus our energies and attentions on him and his holiness and his word and his perfection, what comes painfully apparent is our imperfection, our shortcomings, our sin, the ways that we've missed the mark from God's instruction. And it gives us this opportunity for confession. Our sin in the light of his magnificence are exposed for what they are. And that's hindrances to his blessings. It's hindrances to our relationship. The door, the passage of sin, it leads to destruction. It leads to death, it leads to pain, it leads to suffering. And when we come into the presence of God through prayer, we become more aware of the sin that we're trapped in, entangled in, that keeps us from the things that God has prepared for us. But instead of judgment and condemnation and shame on you, God just says, just bring that here. I sent my son to die the death that your sin deserves. And instead of wrath and judgment, I've got grace and mercy to help you. So bring that here. I'll take care of it. I paid for that. I'll forgive that. I'll wash you clean. You come as dirty as you are, I'll clean you up. That's the power of confession followed by repentance, which leads to reconciliation. 1 John 1 says this, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, then we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You want to put up a roadblock to your prayer? Don't confess your sin. And be specific. The Bible says it's against God first and foremost. God and God only have you sinned. Your offense is against God. But through prayer, through approaching the throne of grace, you find grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. Forgiveness, wholeness, cleanliness that you've never experienced. And there is a freedom that you can't get anywhere else that the rest of the world is paying a lot of money, doing a lot of crazy things to try and find. But the only place you'll find it is at the throne of grace where you'll receive mercy and forgiveness to help you in your time of need. So as we work through prayer, we, we've got our faith fully alive. We've, we're prepared. We've made room for this. We, we've gone through appreciation. Appreciation leads us to confession. Confession leads us to intercession. And intercession is just praying for other people. 1 Timothy 2 says, first of all, then I urge you, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And like the word all, when you translate it from the Greek, it means all. It means 
every single person. You should be praying for everybody, not just the people you like, not just the people that it's easy to pray for. You should also pray for them. You should pray for your spouse. You should pray for your kids. Anybody else got driving teenagers? My prayer life increased quite a bit uh, when that happened this year. But you know who else you're supposed to pray for? The people that hate you. The people who have betrayed you. The people that have hurt you and wronged you. The most difficult family member you have. The most difficult coworker you have. And we kind of think, well, it's just hard to pray for them. We don't seem to have problems telling everybody else about how bad those people are. But the Bible says to talk to God first. Bring those concerns to God. Don't let your, your heart lead you to a place of gossip and sin when God's just saying, bring out here, pray for all people. You may be the only person praying for that person. And if you read the rest of this passage, it talks about seeing those people come to faith. It may be through your faithful prayers of the person that you struggle with the most that they come into the kingdom of God and become your brother or sister. That's an opportunity and a privilege that we have. So we have this chance to pray for, for all people. And if you're not praying for your family, pray for your family. If you're not praying for your church leaders, pray for your church leaders. Pray for your mentors. Pray for your friends. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your enemies. Pray for your difficult situations. Pray for all people. Pray for missionaries. Pray for People separated from their, pray for orphans, pray for the poor. Like the Bible's just full of instructions of who we should be praying for. So who should you pray for? Everybody as the spirit leads. Make time for intercession in your life. You can't get everybody every single day, but just pray as you're led when you make that time. Intercede for other people. And then we come to number six, which is petition for your needs. And this is, strategic, last. You go last. Because the Bible says to consider other people more important than yourself. So it's most appropriate in humility to approach the throne, activate our faith, prepare our hearts, recognize God in his proper place, us in our proper place, confess our sin, let's bring the needs of other people, and then let's pray for ourselves. But when you get to yourself, don't feel bad about praying for yourself. You're supposed to pray for yourself. You're supposed to pray for what you need. You're also supposed to pray for what you want. It's okay. Uh, the Psalms say it like this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart. That's not food, clothing, and shelter. You know, that's just pray for what you want. Because when you are synced up with God, the things that you'll want are the things that he wants and you'll experience something that you've never experienced before. When you're in the will of God and you're synced up with him and you're upgraded prayer, like you're going to see prayers answered that you've never seen before. It's a beautiful thing. Matthew 7 says, or which one of you, if, son, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Sometimes God answers prayer just because he loves, to, loves you and wants to see you have good things. It's okay to pray for your one. Pray for everything. Let God sort out whether you need it or not. Just like we love our kids and they ask us for stuff and we go, you're crazy. You don't need that. Sometimes God says that. Sometimes he goes, absolutely. Here's the keys to the kingdom. Have at it. 
He gives you desires of your heart. If he says no, it's strategic. It's for your protection. Because it's not time yet. He's giving you an opportunity to draw close and be synced more up with who he is and what he wants. God never, unlike me, God never tires of his children coming and asking for stuff. I'm just like, don't ask again. God says, keep asking. Keep asking. He's a much better father than I am. By his mercy. That's the way it's supposed to work. And then the next thing is this. Amen. But we use amen wrong. We use amen like hanging up the phone. Like we had this great run. Thanks, God. Amen. But amen means so let it be. Amen is not an end. Amen is a beginning. It's like, okay, now that we've had this conversation, let's see this happen as I leave this space. As I walk out from my time with God, as I walk out from these prayers, I'm excited, God, to watch you make these a reality in my life. Here I am, use me. Amen, let it be. Let it be in me. Let it be everywhere that I go. This is the activation part. This is the like, you are now free to move about the cabin. Take the time together and watch God do it in your everyday life. I love amen because it's the only word, it's the only universal word in the world. Amen is the same in every language. It's the only word that that's the case. It's pronounced a little differently depending on where you are. But I love the reality that all around the world today in Christian churches, people have said amen, let it be. Let the answers to these prayers be. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth in Sugarland, Tegan, Fort Bend County, all in this area, let it be. Amen is like, please, God, do this here and now. And if you see fit, let me be a part of it. Use it. Use me. May your kingdom come. That's what amen means. So I don't know what what blessings are missing. I don't know what promises that God has made that his followers can experience that you are fully aware that you don't have that you know that you need. I don't know, joy, celebration. That was, for me, I was just like, I was super like irritable. All that, I was tired. I was struggling. And then it was like, hey, uh, we need to sync up here. We need to dive in to these things. And so I mean, just kind of, this is my own personal confession that these are things that I've allowed back into my own life here recently. And it's just been an amazing transformation in what I've experienced. It's just the way it can happen. The blessings can come, but this helps. Activation of your faith, preparation of your heart and mind, appreciation of God's provision, confession of your sins, intercession for others, petition God for your needs, and then let it be, God, let it be. Come on. So this is, I don't know where, what of that resonates with you. Maybe one of those things, maybe none of those things, maybe it's something completely different. But what I trust is that when we come together and we open God's word together, that he speaks to us and he gives us something that we need. He brought us here for a reason. And here we always say, we always believe somebody's got a next step. And so I don't know what's your next step to upgrade your prayer life or to, to upgrade your spiritual vitality. Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe you need to dive in deep. Um, and we want to be available to help you in those things in any way that we can. But what I'd like for us to do now is just kind of close our time by having another moment to just pray. Seems like the right thing to do. And before we end in a time of worship and response.